Eating locally does more than limit the carbon footprint. Okay. It, um, there are, let me give you an example. Let's just say it's not my tomatoes that taste good. This is my point. If you grow your own tomato, yeah. your tomato's going to taste different than Kroger, yeah. uh, Whole Foods, mm-hmm. um, the Fresh Market. Wherever. I don't care how fancy their light systems are, or how shiny the shelves the, look. The shelves look or the floor is. Your plants and your food that you grow in your backyard, whether it's in a container, whether it's in the land, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be have a higher nutritional value. Mm-hmm. You're going to be better for it. Yeah. The environment's going to be better for it. Right. And, you know, you're, you're, li- and you're limiting your carbon footprint, which also is, that's a whole other story. We'll come back for that. But, <laughs> but, but economically, because I feel like that's what we're here for. It's like there is no sustaining what we have. We have to first recognize that this is no longer sustainable. Mm-hmm. Right. And admit that. We have to admit that first. And I, I feel like that's going to take a lot of work for people to admit that this is wrong. But when you look at the amount of people that die from hunger and the amount of obesity we have, yeah. that's a dichotomy we can no longer live in. Right. Because now we're vulnerable. Yeah. Now we're economically vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Now we're we're vulnerable from all type of angles. The average man can't do one pull up. I just found that out the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My nutritionist, shout out to Zuber, Ryan Zuber. Yeah, right. I didn't yeah, know. Right. That's my boy. Yeah, we love. I didn't Zuber. know the average man cannot do one pull up. How mm-hmm. vulnerable yeah. mm-hmm. would that make us? And so this, we've come in a way. From uh, walkable, like neighborhoods being able to commune. Yeah. Like we're in Uptown right now, we're on 4th Street. Mm-hmm. You can walk to 7th Street, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But some people have literally expressways in between them and their grocery store. Yeah. So then that now you're, now your car privilege is a thing. Yeah. So right. now if you don't have a car, you got to consider your commute to the store and back with the bags. Right. Yo, what's going on, Equity Town? Welcome back to another episode. Listen, man, this is going to be a dope episode. I got some good people in the building with me. I got Bobby DeRavio with Black Sea Farms. So my name is Bobby Lewis Fisher III. Um... I am the farmer and the master gardener, the horticulturalist. I wear many hats, um, but some of my friends call me an urban peasant. Um, <laughs> I, I'm very um, community-based. Um, the food that we grow at Black Seas Urban Farms, which is a inner-city urban farm that me and my wife uh, started a, a few years back, um, we grow that food and we give it straight to the community. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Deravia Ridge. I am the CEO of Black Seeds Urban Farms. Uh, I handle all of the agribusiness. Uh, I'm the one that uh, controls the logistics, operations. She pushed the buttons. Um, when I grew up, my grandfather grew food. My, grandf- my grandparents are from Mississippi, and so he was the son of a farmer. And so that was the way he grew up. He knew how to grow food, and he grew up in a household just like I did where his dad would grow food and take it into the kitchen and, and his family would eat it. And so that was the lifestyle for me. I, you know, didn't realize until I was up in age and, you know, especially during the time of the pandemic uh, where, you know, it was just a real eye opener for everyone to realize how difficult it can be if these grocery stores shut down. 
Those shelves were empty yeah. during COVID, and it got real yeah. scary for a yeah. lot of people. It's gonna be more than toilet paper the next time. Yeah, That's you, know, to, you know that was just a sneak peek of us um, just getting a taste of if we don't have uh, that produce yeah. distribution, then who gonna feed us? It's it's <laughs> the the system the the system hasn't been sufficient. In maybe over a hundred years, it has not. and the, uh, the reason why I'm so excited to talk to you about it, the Equity Tab, is because I don't think nobody has really answered the question on an economic plane. Yeah, how how much is water worth? Mm-hmm. Clean water. Mm-hmm. How much? How what is the GDP value of like clean air? Mm-hmm. Clean water, clean air. We call these ecological services yeah. right. in ecology. These are services provided to humans for free. It's like but they're not really services. They're really like things that support our existence. Right. And if you pull them up under your, it's like the economic, the economy is is literally going to be the first thing that's pulled from under our table. Right. Yeah. And so we grow foods, but our business has turned into so many different things. Yeah. It is multifaceted in so many ways. So we are fresh food producers that we grow foods for local Memphians. Um, But our garden has also turned into event space. So um, we've had parties. We uh, work with a lot of local schools. We have uh, educational programs where we are uh, promoting egg education, trying to teach mm-hmm. our babies how to feed themselves. How to pick Right. <laughs> literally. No, he That's joking. We literally did. We had a class at a community center um, uh, where we were teaching students how to pick greens. And a shout out to Memphis Black Healers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. because that was, that was their organization. But uh, collectively, you know, along with um, our board for our nonprofit organization, we, we really work hard at trying to put together initiatives that support the community. Um, and we listen to our community, you know, like, look, when people come to Black, Black Seas, it, it is always an experience. Because, you know, you'll hear someone scream across the street, like, Bobby or Duravia. We'll have a formal event, like, (laughs) everything short of a black tie, and then all of a sudden you hear somebody, oh, boy. Yeah, like, like, it's literally our neighbors. Like, it's it's somebody. And so, it's just... (laughs) We use them. Because no, he like, laughing because we, he know it's so But true. those are moments that people are reminded that community, because when you get on TV, everybody community, the politician mm-hmm. talk, police officer, firefighter mm-hmm. talk about community, and it turns into like this type of ubiquitous word, like mm-hmm. water. It's yeah. just water. Yeah. And then when they come to Black Seas in the garden, then they realize like they feel that he's substance. the community. Yeah, Miss Lloyd's the community. Grandma right here, Terry. The, yeah. blah 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 blah. Yeah. It's solid, real, innate people mm-hmm. who make up the community. It's mm-hmm. not this hot keyword that we just throw up when I want to talk about initiative. Right, because yeah. that's kind of it, what it's it is. It's a space to commune that actually grows food for you to eat. Black seeds, we say this all the time, but we are planting seeds figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. You know, so like when you come to Black Seeds, baby, you're going to get your whole life I'm because that's you. just the space that we're curating and that's the vibe uh, that comes along with it. People sure. love that space. Um, and, you know, not only do they enjoy it because it is therapeutic, yeah. you know, being able to be outside and, and, and sky gazing is what I like to call it. the ground. Yeah. They take their shoes off. Right. It's all type of words, but it, we just it, like to provide this space. That's, sure. That space is provided just for that. I find myself in, in, in indulging in it a lot because I'm a mother. 
I'm a wife. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to go out and lay in my hammock and just, you know, lay out in Sky Gaze has yeah, been very so. helpful mm-hmm. for me. Yo, what's going on, Equity Chasers? Listen, I know you guys are enjoying the episode. Real quick, I know that you guys have already subscribed to the channel, so that's not why I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you guys because we have some major things that we're going to be rolling out. So what I need you to do is pause the video, go down to the description. Right above the description of the video, you're going to see a link. That link is going to give you access to our email list. I need you to subscribe. So when we roll out some of these things, you'll be one of the few that can get into the room. What are we going to roll out? We're going to be opening up our studios this summer. We're going to be letting you guys come in. We're going to be letting you guys watch us record live. We also have some live events planned. We have a lot of things that we're going to be rolling out for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to take your business, your game to the next level this summer. You're going to want to hit that email list and tap in. So look, let's do this. Let's get back to the video. Thank you. How long do you say you guys have been in business? Oh, we okay. opened up July 2021. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the actual cutting of the ribbon was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much land are you guys sitting on? Okay, so it is actually uh, 0.3. Right now, but we are. Oh, right now. (laughs) Right now. But we are expanding. And I guess this is the Mm. first time that we're actually publicly announcing this. Oh, 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 oh. drop it, drop it on the 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 table. But next year, Black Seas is expanding. And so we'll we'll have more space um, for our uh, inner city farmland. This is our main lot. At at our uptown lot. Um, And then we're also um, open up another location in partnership with the CRA, that's the City of Memphis Community Redevelopment. Agency. Yes, Councilwoman Michaelin Easter Thomas is amazing. Yes, yes, she is definitely um, walking the walk and talking the talk. She's a North Memphis native and her family owned land. And so we have been in partnership with them cultivating that land to grow more um, food. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and this will be a a specific, it's an orchard. So we'll Um, be growing fruit trees out there. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the entrepreneur in me. I'm always curious on the foundational days. And and I know everything ain't always as pretty as what people see today, right? Well, talk to me about those (laughs) beginning days, man. When did you guys decide, okay, cool, we want to make this into a business. And then I'm curious about giving away let me go and take this somebody because this this, this right, was a real. I'm gonna let you give them the whole thing, but just let me give them like. Go the, ahead, the, baby. Because like the little, the little I feel like when, when we were in the midst of that, I feel like we were shaking each other. I'm shaking him, and we he's were. shaking me, mm-hmm. and God like shaking us and together. Behind us like, bro, you just y'all just do it. <laughs> just do it. You know, it's something you always have somebody that sees our it from a different perspective too. outside of yourself. You have our parents, our moms, our aunts. My um. Um, but you say go back to the beginning of how it first started. Okay, so, uh, and I'm going to let you tell the whole meat and <laughs> potatoes of it, but just my little part of it. Um, I was already growing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Just kind of messing around at the yard, at, at the house. At our house. At our house. And I'm going to let my wife get into like... And you had another career outside of this, but mm-hmm. you guys doing this full time? Right, right. Yeah, so, it, it, so, it'll, he'll bring that in. Mm, okay, so I... Am a retired firefighter. I was a, I was a firefighter and first responder for seven years, okay. and so um, I was doing that hand in hand with Master Gardener, gotcha. um, and learning from her uncle Bobay. Okay. 
And so uh, he would actually play around with gardening on his off days, mm-hmm. you know, with their firefighter schedule. You work some on one day and then off the next. Mm-hmm. And the days that he was off, he would find himself outside all day playing long. in the yeah. yard all day long, playing out. <laughs> I said playing at the time. <laughs> I was really doing some case studies. I said like, playing. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like play. It was some scientific research. <laughs> he was, was really was, working was child, on like, his off days just in our yard. And, right. you know, we had a nice home in the Germantown area. And we actually met a lot of our neighbors because a lot of our older neighbors would come outside and they'd be like, the young boy just <laughs> flower. They would, be, they like they would literally come to our house and try to see who was living there because our yard looked nice, yeah, right? I know the and young boy. They were amazed because Bobby was young. They were thinking he was an older guy who had like all this landscaping experience. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Our yard just looked nice. My husband just cut the yard when it's time to cut the yard and water his flowers type of thing. So he started playing in the yard, and then he started uh, working with plants. He would go buy us all these nice flowers and plants, and I'm like, why is man spending money on flowers and trees and stuff? But our yard looked nice, so I loved it too. And so my family started to, you know, notice that our yard looked nice. And my uncle found out about it. And this is my Uncle Bubba, who is, it's so funny about this story because my uncle is also um, a retired lieutenant. So we had they had a lot in common. Uh, Bobby was a firefighter. My uncle's a lieutenant. And so they had that similarity. They both like working in the yard and keeping their uh, outdoors yard looking good. Mm-hmm. So they would talk about those type of things. And so when he started playing around with plants, my uncle noticed that, and he noticed that Bobby was trying to grow vegetables. And so he said, you know what, Bobby? You don't know what you're doing. You know, they got to say that. You know, anybody, you know, they go, and that's also, I feel like, (laughs) an initiation process. You feel me? Like a rice of passage. It was very much so. But that's what it is. Yes. And it's so funny because my uncles, um, my uncle Chill, my uncle Bobby, they were like, they have been there for Bobby throughout both of his rites of passages through when he was, you know, stepping in to be a firefighter. And then we started to become uh, interested in gardening. My uncle like, come on, boy, let me let me show you how to do it. Let me show you how my daddy used to do it. And that, you know, his daddy was my grandfather and I grew up in the house with my grandfather. So my whole life, my granddaddy, you know, loved plenty things. So when my uncle started to show Bobby how my granddaddy would do it mm-hmm. the traditional way, the conventional way, uh, Bobby, you know, just kind of just took off with it. You know, they mm-hmm. would work in my grandparents' yard, and he just loved it. So a few years after that, Bobby played around with gardening. Um, my grandmother ended up getting sick. Now, this is um, in 2015. Bobby and I lived in Nashville for about 12 years. And so we ended up moving back. TSU. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 we yeah. both you know, went to TSU. After I graduated, we stayed there for many years. And so we ended up coming home to have a baby. <laughs> Have Coy and for him to start with the fire department. And so uh, that's really what brought us back home to Memphis. And so just fast forward a few years when he started, you know, playing with gardening and really started to get good at it. Um, my grandmother ended up getting sick. So I had to move out of our we home. We had to make a decision. We made a decision. We, we moved out of our home and moved into the home that I grew up in. The same house that my mother grew up in, uh, in the Castalia community where my family has been there over 65 plus something years. So I went back home to take care of mama. You know, had to do that. And luckily I have, 
you know, I'm blessed with a husband who mm. is, was okay with that mm. and who is medically inclined, mm. yeah. who helped me and my family yeah, caretake for my mm. grandmother during her golden years. So that year, uh, I think it was 2019, we moved into my grandparents' house in Castalia. And in that same house, my grandfather, uh, we have a garden in that backyard. And so my grandfather's garden had been uh, maintained. And so my Uncle Bubba, you know, he would maintain it when he can. But he's getting older. And he's getting older. And so he, you know, has been passing this knowledge down to Bobby. But when we moved into the house in Castalia, Bobby was like, you know, let me get out there and revitalize was over, my granddaddy's it garden. Was a, it was uh, probably like square footage. It might have been maybe like 150 feet. Okay. You okay. know, uh, maybe, maybe 200 feet, square yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah. And it was, he was using it as like this dynamic, like production. Mm-hmm. Like he was growing greens. And I'm hearing the stories mm-hmm. because now that they seeing me, now all the anthropology is coming up now. Right. So now all these stories are... Miss such and such used to jump the gate for greens. <laughs> Brenda would cook, All pick of this the greens. Stuff and, was going on in my but they had to, It had to kind of be like sparked back up. And so them seeing me in the same garden, her grandfather used to cut greens, like pick greens in. Mm-hmm. That automatic, he was like, you know, they was like, and so it was very nostalgic. For it was very people. nostalgic, mm-hmm. right? For, for my wife, because they would come back and she would be like, you know, because it'll start off like. He just playing, and then they would come back there, and something would be different. He would change. Then they'd come back, and then they'd be like things would be cut, yeah. and then it'd be trimmed, and now you can see around. <laughs> yeah. Because after her grandfather passed, he just went into disrepair. You know, most places that's what happens. Right. And so, um, I picked up the baton, and uh, him and Bubba took off. <laughs> we had green. I'm talking about mustards, collars, turnips, all that stuff. With just too many. We, I'm taking them to my mom. I'm throwing them at birds. We had so many. You so know, he was uh-huh. doing it in wild steel work. Wild steel firefighter. Right. So, and again, just to show you that entrepreneurship and what happened. Yeah. So, I'm locked and loaded. I'm growing stuff. I'm like, I'm grow some onion. Let me grow some pepper. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. Serious. Now stop right there. Mm. Now during that time, <laughs> because she right, when yeah. he was. Um, Starting to realize that he could grow food on a larger scale because he was growing tomatoes, cucumber, squash, and he was taking it to the fire station. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his co-workers, you know, would eat it. Um, my family, his family was eating it. Cautiously. Yes. My, like, like my co-workers, they, you know. It's, At first, people, they were like, you fresh know. Fresh food is not who as Who told like, to bring all the squash to work? To yeah, yeah, yeah. What are these lettuce and arugula? And, but after they cut some peppers up and you tasting them, yeah. you see the connection between nutrition and taste and smell sure, because sure. They, they're, they're a part of the same spirit. The quality, the value. And so it got to the point where he was taking tomatoes. He was taking bags of squash and zucchini to the fire station and you know, I looked up one day and I was like, "What? What is he doing?" Yeah. You know, he was taking she was just here bags. like just rumbling. You know, because that being the big. He know. was taking bags of work, <laughs> and I looked up, and one day he would have ten tomatoes. The next shift, it would be fifteen tomatoes, yeah. and I look up, Bobby taking 20, 25 squash to work. Okay. I'm like, "Well, what are you doing with this stuff?" Okra, green tomatoes. And you I know. started to find out that he was giving it away to his coworkers, yeah. and you know, Bobby's grandmother. A uh, shout out to Miss Hazel, Mayor Whitehaven. Yeah, Miss Hazel has owned a beauty shop in Whitehaven. She's been an entrepreneur his whole life for okay. 35 plus That's the years. the only job she's ever had. She's and, 83. Uh-huh. She's, had, she's yes. been an entrepreneur her whole life. Uh, they mm-hmm. call her the male Whitehaven because she is just that. And so his mom 
mom would get our produce and take it to the beauty shop, and women at the beauty shop would, you know, be like, I went home and <laughs> I went home and fried Bobby's green tomatoes, and they were so good. Mm-hmm. And the word just really started to pick up. Now I come from a big family on my maternal and my paternal side, both sides of my family big. And so my folks was like, you know, loving it because they were actually cooking. It made them feel like back. Yes, mm -hmm. we cooked big dinners every Sunday. Um, And then at that time, my my other great nana, my paternal grandmother was going through a cancer struggle. And so she was taking a lot of the stuff that Bobby was growing and juicing it, making smoothies because she needed it. So we have been able to see the result of growing fresh food and how it positively impacts so many different people. We looked up back in 2020 and people was calling us like the grocery store. And so at that time, I was going through my own transition of wanting to step into entrepreneurship. Um, And, you know, I wanted to start a business um, that was going to, in in, in so many ways, uh, be... Um, add value to my community um, Add value to my city You know Mm -hmm. at large And so There were so many things I thought about I was like Okay I don't want to Open a boutique You know I love clothes And stuff like that But that ain't it What was your background prior? Okay so I have a degree In mass communications uh, But for uh, The past 12 years I have worked in uh, Administration I've worked in management And so I have um, Over 10 years of experience in program development and um, business management. So I had, you know, pretty good business She's already acumen. CEO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been, you know, doing this type of stuff uh, since I graduated from TSU. So I already had the business background. And so when I started counting them tomatoes, Kelvin, I was like, wait a minute. This man done took 30 tomatoes to work. And I was like, you know what, Bobby? Um, you know, I, like I said, I wanted to open up a business, but I wanted to open something up that had value. And I said, you know what, baby, like, look, we really need to sit down and talk about starting a business because it seems like we got one on our hands, mm-hmm. even if we want to mm-hmm. admit it or not. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's that's what we did. And once I saw that Bobby was able to grow on a, a scale that was um uh, larger than just planting tires because he used to make garden beds. You remember mm-hmm. when you used to do the oh tires God, and stuff? Yeah. That stuff sounds so ancient. That to is us. so like. <laughs> but yeah. when he got into my grandfather's garden and revitalized that, it blew my mind. Yeah. My grandmother ended up passing away in May of 2019. And that was a really hard time for me. My grandmother passed at home with us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as she transitioned on. Mm-hmm. By her side And so After her funeral We ended up having a repast At our house And Before she had died It's so funny Because we really do have A deeper side Of how we started this Um, But that year In 2019 Bobby was working on his garden Whole time I'm in there with my aunts And my uncles And cousins Taking care of grandma In her last days and Bobby was out there preparing his garden, trying to get her outside to go and see it. Grandma yeah. never saw that mm-hmm. garden. 
Not but physically. Not physically. Right. She saw it. Though. She didn't get a chance to see that garn, but after her funeral, her repast ended up spilling over into the garn. Yeah. And so my family, my friends, our loved ones, they were able to see that garn. And it was like a really good moment for us. It was like heartwarming. It was was exactly what I needed during that grieving moment. And so everybody was like, oh, the garden looks so good. It was like lavender. (laughs) Like, like, you know, we, we really, it goes over our head how far, how disconnected we are. And this is just not... I'm talking about grown people, like, yeah, and it's not no shame because we've all sort of succumbed to like this global food, like convenient. Yeah, we can get yeah. whatever mm-hmm. we want whenever we want it. But you smell lavender in your laundry, you mm-hmm. smell it in your soap, yeah. you smell it in your hair products, and then when somebody comes to a garden or a farm, they're like, when you see it and it's when it's while it's alive, yeah. the the appreciation, the gratitude, all that stuff changes because it's mm-hmm. like now. You you've experienced it and it's like right. it's fresh estate. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't travel anywhere, it didn't get on no freight mm-hmm. load or none. You literally picked it mm-hmm. and you got to experience it in this in this in this prime. So I feel like yeah. that's dope, man. i uh, I grew a tomato plant mm-hmm. last year. Uh it just died uh because I put it outside, but I had it inside at this window and it amazed me how many tomatoes oh, this yes. one little plant were produced and that kind of is my transition on it. What is talk to me about sustainability, right? So I'm just curious, like how much food can you produce for a family on your own land? Yeah, so um let's tackle the sustainability thing first. So sustainability as it relates to like environmentalism, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really exist. Not yet, because what we're dealing with ecologically is um we're losing topsoil which is what you plant food in. Fast. We're losing topsoil so fast right now and net breaking speeds because of erosion and climate change and just like these really poor agricultural practices, Mm -hmm. these uh, extractive colonial practices from mining gold, from all types of stuff. And for doing that for so long, we're not at a level. Remember we talked about what's the GDP value of air, right? Well, it's, it's zero right now. And but when you think about that, we've built an economy off finite resources. And so to say that this is, you know, we're going to make this the value, but that can run out, you know. And so to draw that fully in, we're just not at a place that we can sustain. The words we should be using is restore, repair, regenerate. What does that process look like? Like What's the right way to do it? I think the first part is understanding how to, where you are. Yes. I think that just like we acknowledge who we are, mm-hmm. we can acknowledge where we are at any time. Right now we're on Cherokee, Chickasaw, and uh, Choctaw territory. Okay. That's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what lines are drawn, they're all arbitrary based off of the animals and the plants and the people. Okay. Right? That's how you know where you are. I know I'm in Africa because it's palm trees here. Mm-hmm. Right? I know I'm in Australia because it's a kangaroo here, yeah. right? I know, I know I'm in America because it's four seasons here. Yeah. So depending on where you are okay. and who's there the longest, they know what to do with that place. Yeah. This is just, I'm from Whitehaven. I can tell you where the shortcuts are, yeah. <laughs> the gas station. <laughs> you see, I can tell you all that stuff. And it's not because somebody came from outer space and told me. It's because I've just been, and if I didn't know it, I could ask my auntie who's been here longer than, and so all these processes 
our um we have to restore that. That's where you start at. Yeah. Where and because I'm an indigenous man too, but I'm an indigenous man from somewhere else. So even my role here is different. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had to humble myself and look for teachers who can show me that. Right. And a lot of my teachers, they were matriarchal seed keepers from tribes mm-hmm. and and so these were women who were like, oh, when I walk down the river, it feels like the river's pulling me and I'm I'm lifted up from the because their grandparents were here. Their great great grandparents were here. So I think that the gratitude has to be there first. Because if not, then we're going to have all these cool tomato plants, all these cool okra plants, and we don't know why. Right. And, Just having yeah. that indigenous knowledge. We are surrounded by so many different uh, plants that are medicinal, that are native, that we don't even know. And so earlier, Bobby talked about, we were talking about community and um, being in a community that is that has um, everything you need, that's accessible. My family talk about all the time how they grew up and fruit trees were in yeah. the community. Now you go down the street and trees are dead. People don't even yeah. maintain them. You know, I'll be, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I've mm-hmm. asked her uncle sometimes because they, I'm so tired of these stories. Like, he'll be talking to his old retired firefighter. They'll be on the porch. They'll be like, man, this was there, this was there, this was there. We was eating this. I'll be like, where exactly was it? He'll be like, man, you know where McLean is going down Person Street? i would be like, I go, and it's a landfill there. Right. Like, literally. Or then I'll make a left at the MLGW building and it's elderberry and passion fruit. Mm-hmm. People might didn't know Tennessee has a passion fruit that's native here. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Passiflora um, incarnata is okay. the Latin name for it. Gotcha. What is it used for? Uh, you know, like the passion fruit drinks that y'all drink? Okay, yeah. It's the same flavor, all that, but it's just like the native version of that. It's not the tropical passion fruit yeah, that you're okay. used to, but you eat it the same way. You can cut it open, eat the seeds, and that's yeah. delicious. Absolutely delicious. For sure. But it, I make a left to go and check on it, and I'm like, I look, I look at some barbed wire in between me and the passion fruit and the elderberry. Yeah. COVID kicking back up again now. Uh, just throw this at y'all, you know, elderberry helps with COVID. Mm-hmm. That's when it started to pick up in popularity when all these respiratory illnesses started to pop. And talk to me about the health component of it too, because of course we there's the, the economic side of it, right? Saving money, healthier, growing your own food, but then the health side of it, right? What are some of the benefits that you guys have seen health-wise from growing your own food? Oh my goodness. First of all, the nutritional value, you know, it there it is no secret. All you gotta do is come and take something that we grow. It, we hear it all the time and You can just taste it, you know. And so going into the grocery store, we're buying all of these different foods that really don't have the quality. It's not nutritionally dense. And so we're spending money and we're not even realizing that it isn't. We're not consuming as much nutritional foods as we think that we are. And then, you know, in comparison to that, you go to a Whole Foods and and you have people that are like, well, I don't want to pay this amount of money for whatever it is, if it's a vegetable or a fruit, <laughs> but they aren't considering the health costs that, you know, will be that, that are beset because so, of that. So are you a value shopper? Right. Are you, you really? See what I'm saying? Because, like, and that was my thing in the fire department talking to my friends because it was like, okay, I'm going to buy the tomato and I'm going to save X amount of dollars. Yeah. This yeah. tomato's $4, this tomato's $1.50. Mm-hmm. Right, so 
three dollars, whatever the difference is, I saved it. Right. Just follow me. No, like, yeah, you, still, you already know so what you, I'm about to say. Buy, Go ahead. It's like a triangle. <laughs> Think of it like a triangle. I don't know if they can see me. Yeah. You hear you the value. This is the triangle. Yeah. You're the value customer. You trying to get a deal, and you, as you should. Yeah. So you buy the value food or mm-hmm. the compromised food. For sure. Right. So now you got this compromised food, and this agri- uh, the food industry is a 20 to 30 billion annually. Wow. Okay. $20 billion they make annually. Yeah. So you got this one right here. Now you buy the compromised food, mm-hmm. and then you start to feel ill. Right, or right. you're sleepy, or you're, or you're drowsy, or you have a headache, mm-hmm. and you don't know why, and you're doing this every day, and then you look up and you got to go to the doctor. So now you're <laughs> now now the health and disease cost wasn't fact wasn't a part of that equation. Mm-hmm. Your equation was I, the dollar plus that equals me saving money, but you didn't factor in the health and disease cost. Exactly, that's not a value customer because if you add that in, you're not getting the you're not you are this, not false value. It's, it's false, false value. value. You're getting value by saving. The money, but you're actually spending more money because of the help. Exactly. Hey, I can get on the subject, man. Have y'all watched they, talk, they clone Tyron? We have. When okay. I tell you we love that movie, <laughs> and we were like blown away because it's like are, Black Dynamite to me. It is though. It's like Black Dynamite, but they touch on so many important uh, points that people kind of overlook, and you know we don't realize why um, the uh, uh, heart disease rate is where it is. Mm-hmm. Why so many people are struggling with obesity and mm-hmm. blood pressure and all these different things, mm-hmm. not realizing what's in the food that we eat. Mm-hmm. People don't even think about you know. You like back to the dollar tomato. Uh, think about how long it took that tomato to get here. If you aren't buying your food locally, you should know that your food is traveling to get it's, to you. It's, it's uh, eating locally isn't like going. Let me go eat the local chilies. Mm-hmm. That's just for everybody that got the lo- eating local jokes and stuff. I've heard them all. But eating <laughs> locally does more than limit the carbon footprint. Okay. It. Um, there are, let me give you an example. Let's just say it's not my tomatoes that taste good. This is my point. If you grow your own tomato, yeah. your tomato's going to taste different than Kroger, yeah. uh, Whole Foods, yeah. um, the Fresh Market. Wherever. I don't care how fancy their light systems are, or how shiny the shelves the, look. The shelves look or the floor is. Your plants and your food that you grow in your backyard, whether it's in a container, whether it's in the land, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be have a higher nutritional value. Mm-hmm. You're going to be better for it. Yeah. The environment's going to be better for it. Right. And, you know, you're, you're li- and you're limiting your carbon footprint, which also is, that's a whole other story. We'll come back for that. But, <laughs> but, but economically, because I feel like that's what we're here for. It's like there is no sustaining what we have. We have to first recognize that this is no longer sustainable, mm-hmm. right? And admit that. We have to admit that first. And I, I feel like that's going to take a lot of work for people to admit that this is wrong. But when you look at the amount of people that die from hunger and the amount of obesity we have, that's a dichotomy we can no longer live in. Right. Because now we're vulnerable. Yeah. Now we're economically vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Now we're... We're vulnerable from all type of angles. The average man can't do one pull up. I just found that out the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My nutritionist, shout out to Zuber, Ryan Zuber. Yeah, Ryan, I didn't yeah, know. Ryan, That's my boy. Yeah, we love. I didn't Zuber. know the average man cannot do one pull up. How mm-hmm. vulnerable yeah. mm-hmm. would that make us? And so this, we've coming away from uh, walkable, like neighborhoods being able to commute. Yeah. Like we're in mm-hmm. Uptown right now. We're on Fourth Street. Mm-hmm. 
you can walk to 7th Street. That's no big deal. Mm -hmm. But some people have literally expressways in between them and their grocery store. Yeah. So then now now your car privilege is a thing. So now if you don't have a car... You got to consider your commute to the store and back with the bags. Right. And so I brought up the, and that's a great point, man. That's why I brought up they clone Tyrone, right? Because I think at surface level, you talk, you think about cloning people. But <clears throat> what I really pointed mm-hmm. another was cloning conditions. Yes. Oh, man. Dang, that boy. It's cloning conditions. We are so programmed in so many different Come ways. On, we talk to people, and the food is no different yeah. from that. We talk to people all the time, and they don't realize, like, we talk to some kids, and, you know, they don't realize that um, chicken. Uh, like they love if you like chicken wings that it comes from a chicken you know and so we don't think about that when you grow you have to grow what's in season and so we're eating all these different things and we're programmed to think that it's always available but it's not because we're really supposed to be eating seasonally just as we grow like um, you know right now somebody will come to Black Seeds and say hey can um, I have a a cucumber cucumber Cucumbers are out of seed or blackberries. You know, we had a, an abundant amount of blackberries this season. Can I have some more of them blackberries? Well, I'm sorry, ma'am. We are blackberries aren't in season. We so don't a, have it. That's a decolonizing uh-huh, of the mind that, that has to happen. Because if it don't that, happen, you're gonna keep coming. Or if you don't got to come to me, you're gonna go to somebody else and think that you can this idea we can get bananas and grapes and and then you ask yourself just for a second, where do bananas even grow at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do where are we getting this stuff from? Because if you don't see it, most of the time a place is either being exploited or yeah. people are being exploited in order for you to get things whenever you just want them. In. Yeah. So seasonal eating is it does make us healthy and all that, but you're also reimagining a whole new system, right? Where people are getting tricked because a lot of these <clears throat> corporations, you just if you just think about it for a second, like. <clears throat> If the people aren't getting exploited and they are, and we was talking about these, like these indigenous practices, like you're considering all the things that support your food. Yeah, I need food, but what are the systems that support a healthy plant? Right. And so the more that I'm concerned and then then I'm stewarding that, the healthier that my plants, my chickens, all that stuff is going to be. So it's like if these corporations would just adopt or adapt to those indigenous practices and the people would be treated better. Not only the people, the chickens, a chicken is a jungle fowl. Yeah. We've domesticated the the chicken five to 6,000 years ago. It's a jungle fowl fowl, and it's from Southern Asia. Google it and look it up. This is y'all homework for today. <laughs> and this is the decolonizer because you have to understand, this is how we figure out psychologically what a, what makes an animal better. Yeah. What makes an animal scared and timid and shaky? Well, I have to find out about this animal. So it's from Southern Asia. They like the forest. That's why they like to be cooped up. That's where they feel safe and secure. You know, they eat hazelnuts and, and forage on... And if, so if you're if a chicken is in a factory or in the closet somewhere, mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder with his cousins, mm-hmm. eating feed, yeah. is that a chicken? So it's not. And me and Ryan was talking about this too. A lot of the nutritional quality is lost. Okay. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because of the practices. It's not the chicken fault, and it, it ain't the cow fault either. Mm-hmm. It's how these things are being 
kept in maintenance. Yeah. It's important yeah. to practice regenerative practices. But man, I think yeah. what's cool about what you, what you guys are doing, right? Because America, I just watched this uh, show called uh, Painkiller, right? And it's about the opioid crisis. Oh, and yeah, great, great movie. But what it does is it really shows you how much America profits off of uh, healthcare, right? And so food is the biggest part of feeding into a healthcare system so that they can make more money. But what I like what's cool about what you guys is, it's not going after, of course, we speak in truth to the, to the wrongs that's being done, but you guys are just going out the big corporations saying, yo, you got to stop doing this. You guys are actually taking the action, right? Yeah. You got the land, you got the farms, you produce it. And I think that that is a model that can be duplicated. And so I kind of want to transition into that, right? Because we got people that's going to be listening to this and health is a big concern. And I think a lot of times we just don't know where to start, man. So for that person on the other side of the calendar saying, yo, I want to get healthy. I'm curious about you guys' daily diet. Like, what do y'all consume daily? And then if I was to start my own garden at home, like, what should I, what what should I be starting with? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying we do offer services to uh, educate and teach people how to grow on small and large scales. Um, uh, we have people that we've worked with that grow from a windowsill, you know, from a container and windowsill. And then we've also worked on really huge land restoration projects, you know. So we um, are available to help in any way for anyone that wants to be educated on how to grow. Because not only do we promote self-sufficiency, we promote community sufficiency. There are so many communities throughout Memphis that are impoverished and need that fresh food resource. And so, you know, if whether it's a church or an organization, we are available to help with that. Uh, now, so far, is diets. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, ain't everybody married dealing with what you eating and what I'm eating. Right. I'm like, I wish we ate the same Well, Bobby actually um, has been a vegetarian for the past five years. I he just obviously. transitioned into eating meat <laughs> a few months ago. Back the so side. he said he's back on the dark side. He's back eating meat, but he went through a very long period of not eating any meat. Um, and I do think that that um, had a lot to do with um, the spiritual journey that we were on at that time and not needing um, the heaviness of some meats. And so I am... I am a pescatarian. I do not eat a lot of heavy meats. It's so funny that I'm married to a man that has been a vegetarian for a good portion of time because my whole life, my dad is a vegetarian. Like, still to this day, my daddy don't eat any meat. And so, you know, it's it's pressure when my dad and my husband eat so well. I'm like, you know. You being know. married, is like, you know, you want to go to a steakhouse, you're like, what yeah. you finna get? I'm like, yeah. potatoes. It's crucial, right? There's, those are practices that we've been taught. That's how we celebrate. Go get you a good steak when you know that necessarily ain't the best thing to do. How many kids do you guys have? We have one daughter. One, okay. And how Koi. did she adopt to the, oh, uh, to the food? I'm so proud of Koi because I am too, really. Koi loves fruit. Um, she is really like a little fruit monster. And we, and it's because we started exposing her to fruit intake very early, you know, as a baby. So she does really good with fruits. And, you know, we're stepping more into vegetables. She has her specific veggies. <laughs> 
that yeah. she likes. Like most seven, seven year olds. Yes, <laughs> she's in the third grade. Mm-hmm. But Koi, um, and anybody that knows Koi, my family talks about it, but her water intake is crazy. Like my baby yes. don't really drink a lot of, she don't drink any gross. sodas. Yeah. But juices, you know, she'll have juice here and there. But she is she's a water Bobby's girl. sister April called her Bobby Boucher yeah. from the Water Boy because yeah. she's a real Bobby water Reese, girl. <laughs> she loves water, yeah. so I, I would, I would kind of, uh, I would give that a lot to her growing up, like at a place that has fruit and vegetables too. Like, yeah, it, we, it, it does. does make a difference. She's foraged for her own. I put it in quotes because it just sounds so like <laughs> so New York Times. But she 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 <laughs> she would go out there on a Tuesday and just like pick golden berries, mm-hmm. and she knows where they are. She knows when they're ready. And mm-hmm. this is nobody. She doesn't know that, mm-hmm. right? But the journey that my wife's grandfather started me on with agriculture, my parents would see this, and stories would pop up from them about my grandparents. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not these aren't isolated stories that become that way. Mm-hmm. But I and we're, we we're getting, are far we're, removed from that yeah, though because yeah, I know we're not. we all have had a feeling. I'm pretty sure you can relate. Whether it's your grandparents or a great aunt or somebody mm-hmm. who had a garden mm-hmm. or some type of fresh fruit growing when in their home when you were a child. Might be a lot. This really good at growing stuff. He doesn't have a garden, but every season he'll throw something different out there in the yard and it'll grow. And he'll be like, "Yo, I didn't know you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so my dad, it blew my dad away because mm-hmm. we moved here from North Carolina. And my dad's relationship with plants was like chores. Like he would have to get out there and do work. He had mm-hmm. to pick. And so he would be sweating and be like, I don't want to be out here. And so for him to come out there <laughs> with me and like, I'm like, no, nah, man, you can make clothes out of this, yeah. man. Like this is wisteria or uh-huh. this is this type of tree or this is a mulberry, blah, 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 blah. He like, like this is a green wall to me. Yeah. Like this is green. This is it. But then, you know, he would tell me about my his grandfather Mm-hmm. And about how he had his own land and he wasn't a sharecropper. Like he owned his land and he sold tobacco to feed his family. And so, you know, all those things come up from just really story starting, uh, sharing, you know, storytelling, you know, sharing stories, right? Talking right. about your family and mm-hmm. your lineage because we are far removed from that. Yeah, we, not. agriculture, we are the, uh, the, the starters yeah, of that, yeah, you know? Sure, so. Right. Uh, we just got to get back to our roots. In transition, I want to talk more about the day-to-day operations, right? And really what it takes. And I think this is this is a very important part, right? Because I think a lot of people hear it and we'll get motivated. But we also need to know that there's some real work that goes in, in this. So we got Jeremy. I know you've been with them since the beginning. Do me a yes. favor. Introduce yourself and yeah. then we'll kind of talk yeah, about yeah, your yeah. role a little bit. Jeremy Mitchell, uh, also known as Jay Mitch. Mitch. Uh, I do uh, several things uh, within the uh, community, but my background is mostly uh, in like startups, uh, program development in various sectors like nonprofit government, as well as um, education. Uh, So a lot of the um, stuff you don't see in Black Seas, I guess that's my role, like, so like, um, you know, like when they're out doing the community stuff and all that stuff, like I do like web development, um, a lot of like helping develop like the structures of the programs, uh, helping with like, um, right, like we got our proposals, grant stuff, like all of that kind of stuff that like people 
don't see. Yeah. But, but it's but it's, it's, you gotta we gotta have it, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's where I um come into play with Black Seeds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me about the day to day operations, bro. What time do you get up, you know, to kind of get everything <laughs> going uh with the farm? Okay, so uh I'm I'm really glad that you that we all three could make it here today because you look at Nick like when this was just like a this was just like a thing there we saw this conceptualized yeah and and um so I'm coming from a crazy schedule I'm coming from a firefighter schedule mm -hmm. so if anybody don't know what that is that's working 24 hours a day okay. so I work from I was working from seven in the morning mm -hmm. to seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then 24 hour break between the next seven in the morning. Okay. So you work every other day for three days. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time I'm up running late at night. And so once I left the fire department behind, I moved into agriculture. Mm -hmm. uh, and my wife probably won't like that I'm saying this, but I had to, de <laughs> I dealt with my insomnia in a healthy way yeah. because what I would do is I would, you would have to beat the sun. This is the thing about, and this everybody out there. I don't care if you're on a patio, yeah. I don't care if you uh, if you at a a, a downy Southern English home, or if you at a <laughs> Castalia location, location, location. I've heard this several other ways. Mm -hmm. My daddy say you got to move with the sun. Mm -hmm. One of my friends, his granddad say you, he go with a buffalo go. Oh no, uh, what you call it? Oh, the, uh, I forget. Uh, old, old, old boy from a uh, big green down. Lace and McDonald's. Yeah, Lace and McDonald's with a cowboy hat on. He said, man, I got to go. He, he, he helps kids in need, homeless kids, and he's in education. And so, you know, he run, he's in offices and all this stuff, and they want him to be like in the car. You know how Jesus was with the folks that needed help. You know the story. So he's like, man, I got to go with a buffalo go. You know, I can't go with, you know. And so my day as a farmer starts when um, they, they um, these cycles are – I'm not in control of them. So it's like, the first thing that inspires me is knowing that um, the sun is gonna rise whether I'm on time or not, mm -hmm. right? And so once I get that type of understanding, then I tell myself, okay, I'm getting ready. I'm, I get everything that I need. Everything that I'm gonna need today, I already got it. I, even if I don't, I say that, and then as I'm driving five o'clock in the morning to go water the plants, oh dang, I, did, I needed some bricks. And up some bricks, I can make my bed up. So my day starts with gratitude. It starts early with the sun, starts with gratitude, uh, irrigation, uh, it's heat. Um, my, as a farmer, and it's any farmer, production farmer, inner city urban farmer, rural farmer, your day wants, you kind of want your day to be done like by noon. Yeah. I don't want my, I don't want to be working when the, when the heat, if you, if you got flowers, anybody that has flowers or like a butterfly garden, mm -hmm. look at the time when the pollinators are outside. Mm -hmm. They got work hours too. My wife was tripping when I pointed that out to her. We got sunflowers everywhere. Okay. And at the high noon, ain't nobody out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't no bees, they up somewhere. And then as soon as that jokers start kind of going, present, they just, mm, 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 mm. they come back. And so in the ways, you know, I have to be, I have to do the same thing. Sure. But but um, heat management, hydration, um, and just really kind of scheduling around the seasons. It's easier now that the summer's gone. But man, you know, if it's heat and humidity, you'll you, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. What does your day to day look like? My day um, with black seeds kind of depends on like what's required, if that makes sense. Um, 
they are very hands on with everything else. I'm like, uh, I guess, supporting accountability in a way. So, like, so you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, like, it, it kind of depends. Like, but I'm always like doing something, whether it's like networking. Um, like, right now, we're about to launch a new website for the nonprofit. And so, it's been a lot of work heavy into that um, because one thing we've noticed we are starting to scale. Mm -hmm. And as you scale, uh, you gotta have certain systems in place, certain things to help you be more productive. Uh, so like a lot of my job looks, I look for ways for us to be more productive and efficient with what we're doing um, and help us in the long term, I always think that it's not just gonna be us three. Right. It's gonna be who knows how many mm -hmm. people, you know, how many programs, how many farm plots, how many, uh, different employees So just trying to solidify that foundation um, On the structural end On the back end um, And just be a support to um, To them in their role uh, A lot of people I guess particularly with us in the black culture um, Everybody thinks that they have to be the front person mm -hmm. But I, I really understand the importance of when people are building because of my my experience in startups and various ways that you have to have dedicated people to do a job Thanks. you know what i'm saying or to play a role or to be a support and you know that doesn't discredit anybody but everybody plays a different role so for them i knew that um what they were doing um was the, it kind of was like, how, how would you say it? Um, I guess I was listening to Nick Cannon on a podcast and he was saying, if you have a thing, be the best at that thing and everything else will, you know, you don't have to look for people to, to engage with it. Just keep mm -hmm. like focusing on that thing and try to master that thing the best that you can. And so that was always my advice to Bobby and Derevi. They was like, man, I think I'm gonna do, I was like, yeah, just just keep, you know, you like, really well, I gotta do this, I gotta, I was like, nah, just keep keep focusing because y'all, and then all of a sudden, they got reached out to by like CRA, other people would start reaching out to them. Uh, even like some of their biggest, our biggest grants and funders was because people found them, mm -hmm. you know? So just being able to just, inst tell them to like focus on that. All right, so like now let's decide on how can we make this impactful and effective? Like what are our overarching goals uh, for this organization or this business? And kind of like we focused in on that. Um, we know that we wanted to, um, for one, grow honest and healthy foods, uh, but, and also, um, like work on or redevelop areas, but mm -hmm. we also say, hey, let's look at this from a holistic point. Mm -hmm. What all could this space be and offer? And so that's when you get into like, all right, we can have events here, like I know, create this. We can have educational programs here. We can have yoga in the park. You know, it could be so much more for a community mm -hmm. than just okay, we're providing you food because not only. Did we want to like recreate or, I mean, I, I don't know, everybody's saying reimagine, but we wanted to, I guess, represent 
what farming was to the community through a different lens because the the average person, if you think of a farmer, they're going to think a guy with a straw hat, you know, roll crops, big, you know, plowing, pretty boring, right? So being intentional about saying, hey, let's recreate the idea or re create an image of what a, far, a farmer is, a, a wife of a farm, a farm family, what a f- actual urban farm within Uptown looks like, and just- Just do it. Yeah, yeah like just do it, and so not so much. So, I mean, with always the goal of regeneration of the land, um, regeneration of food source and food supply for fresh foods within that community and breaking those barriers to access to that and what that looks like. And so with that in the forefront and the focus, you know, everything from how the garden is placed uh, to how we interact with the community, how we're sending out our messaging is around putting the community back in community, making sure the community is at the heart, but also representing and re- you know, repackaging this whole idea of what farming is. And it's really taken, you know, and like just being able to see people from so many different walks of life, but particularly people who identify as black or pan-African come to a space and like, I want to check it out and get there. And like, I feel like I'm at home or have a connection or a transformative experience beyond just like eating the food or seeing the process, just meeting people that they never, like healing takes place for people in so many different types of ways. So just focusing on like, I guess you can kind of say, getting this recipe down, <laughs> you know, and kind of like, you know, like coming up and formulating how we, cause I mean, it's taking us time from the inception to figure out like a model or way we're presenting and packaging it and going about, all right, now we have these steps of how to plan a form. We have these steps of how we can present this education to people. We have these steps of how this space can be intentionally used for something else, multiple things, um, all within the same day. And so just, I mean, that that would that would be you know <laughs> like yeah um, in short like uh, my involvement and just like from my because that's pretty much with every uh, project when I was uh, with this startup organization in Oakland Maker Ed we were uh, planting uh, maker spaces and maker education um, across the country and so we were a um, national organization but. Maybe five employees when I first got there. I was the fifth and grew to like eight, but we were like working with hundreds of organizations across the country. And it was just, we knew what we did well. Um, we figured out how to best implement that and, and roll with it. And um, working with the Memphis Public Library, with um, a startup program, Cloud 901, a teen tech space, uh, which I moved back here to do. Same thing. Where's home for you? Uh, home is Memphis. Yeah, yeah, home is Memphis. But I went to uh, TSU and MTSU, so I met them in Nashville. Ooh, so we go back uh, from from Big Nashville. Uh, 
moved back to Memphis, moved to Oakland, moved back to Memphis, yeah. um, and just been like working in that tech uh, startup community development space. Yeah. And so I just basically took a lot of things and principles and processes that we use or I've learned in startup mm-hmm. and in the tech space and or program development or facilitation or anything like that and just say, take those base skills and drop it on black seeds. And it's, you know, it's work in combination with, you know, other people who we work with and, you know, stuff like that. So, man, I'm a big proponent of, I I guess at heart, I'm a creative, but I'm also like an educator, but in a non-traditional sense. And so I'm really big on like, uh, they call them T skills, but like skills that can be applied over different industries and sectors. And so I've worked a lot of my career on how do you harness those skills? How do you develop those skills? Um, how do you effectively transfer that knowledge, you know, to somebody else in an accessible way, and and just kind of use that, you know? Um, I'm just thinking like, bro, a team is only as strong as its weakest link. And man, all of y'all are on. It's clairvoyance. Like I told you, my wife's been the CEO. Like none of these stuff is like Jeremy's been like. It's like logistical, clairvoyant. Like we'll be so busy in the in the moment, mm-hmm. me and my wife. And then it won't be until we have a meeting with Jeremy yeah. that it's like a bubble pop. And then we'll, for both of us, because yeah. we're in the moment. I want to say this you know, too, like, you know, no, because this is super important. We are married and, you know, we own a business together and being able to have somebody like Jeremy come in and, you know, consult us. We need that that because there are times where Bobby's like, nah, we doing this. And I'm like, no, sir, we're doing this. And, and, you know, (laughs) we ain't doing neither one of those things. Let's meet in the middle here. Yeah, 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 let's 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 compromise. compromise. uh, I think that we can all, all three of us are, we kind of, we can't be tricked in this agricultural food industry realm because we know it's perverse. And nothing, nobody can present an economic opportunity that make us be like, mm, maybe that, no. Nah. We know what works, we know how it works, and it can be scaled on any size. And so with with these three, like cogs in the, in the wash piece, farming, logistics, Finance, everything my wife does. I don't know these folks. Like, I, I, you, you gonna laugh? I'm the nicest man. I'm so man patient. I listen to you talk. I, mm. and I, when you walk off, I, I ask my wife if Jeremy ain't there. Okay, baby, who is that again? That's such, such wife, such a husband. You need a team. I, yeah. I never forget. My daddy told me this: if you wanna go fast, you can go by yourself. Right. You wanna go far, but if you wanna go far. You need you a support system and yeah. more eyes to pick up on things that you don't yeah. see. And another thing, that, and I'll wrap it up on this one, we don't we don't really have a, a need for fame or popularity. Yeah. Ain't none of us nobody famous. We ain't trying to do nothing that we're we're trying to show people they, that they can absolutely do the same thing that we're doing. Right. And um, you know, the more people that's growing food. Yeah. The better. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to be the guy, yeah. the guy, the food guy. Mm-hmm. Because if that's so, I just created the same system that I just yeah. tried to break. Right. I'm yeah. more valuable yeah. when I'm empowering more people. 
Right, right. And if that's not what's going on, then I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I'm glad you made that point because one thing that kind of joined us or helped is our at at the core, we we do not agree with how things are operating now. But instead of like just saying we don't agree, we are like joining on that value and on that mission and coming up with like solutions to be able to, you know, like challenge the system, you know, in a way. Um, and so for me, like I see that they have the same values and we we all share those. And in community, you know, like when when you find somebody that you can share and connect with, I mean, it's within everybody's best interest to try to figure out how we can band together to like mm -hmm. move in synergy and work together. And it's like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm reminded of like Jewish culture and the Asian culture. They have this like group economic type of it's activity like that they the have, right? Yeah. And so like, um, it'll be 10 of them and say, Johnny's gonna open a nail shop. Or all 10 of them work in that nail shop build it to where it's like doing creep, crazy profits and then next person is up and like Kim. And then so then everybody does the same thing for Kim. And then before you know it, in five years, they got 10 thriving, you know, 10 thriving businesses, but not everybody wants to work to get like everybody wants to say I, I did it you know no, I did but it's like we were, we're not motivated by that like that's not our motivation which is it's hard to find but that but that works but when you find that um, where you're not motivated by saying I but we really genuinely want us our community to be in a better place and this is how we see ourselves doing it like then we move together and that, and then as black seeds go up, then if I have a business, somebody else has a business. Okay, now it can grow up because I use my business to invest in this business. You know, because it's more than one way to invest. Some people invest their money, some invest their time and their talent. You know, and their skills, right? And so, if if I have a skill or a talent that is an asset to something that I believe in yeah. is within my best interest to use that for the greater good of the cause. Because is it, is it about the cause? Or is it about me? Or, you, or is it about me? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so. That's big on restoration, yeah, yeah. though. Yeah, we, and it's, we, yeah, yeah right. And when you're talking about restoration, man, you, it's restoration in our term, in our sense, and the way we define it is nothing short of reparations. Yeah. Because it's this not a land grab. It's not like we just trying to grab stuff, try to beat the next dude to buy yeah, stuff. Right. We're turning these into ecological spaces that serve the environment and the community mm -hmm. that doesn't have none. They don't have any food, you know. And it, and so when you're talking about restoring something to somebody, well, the land was taken from some folks. So if you got a lot of people, it was taken from your granddaddy. Mm -hmm. And there's so many policies family. that right. dupe land out of black folks' right. hands. Mm -hmm. You know how many people told me I got land in Mississippi? Mm -hmm. 
since they know I'm from. Yeah. Oh, I got land in Mississippi. I got land in Mississippi, and I I, I listen to them because yeah. I told you I'm a nice, good Southern, you know, raised <laughs> in Southern Baptist home. But I listen to them. But what I my understanding of these policies that I'm very aware of mm-hmm. is that the whole reason why they have this air to land yeah. is because everybody has to agree on what y'all have to do with that land. And every mm-hmm. time somebody has a kid that's heir to that land, mm-hmm. it's like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. It just went from three people having to choose. Now, Jim didn't have four kids. Now, guess who all got to come up with the same? So now you got a timber company that want to come and buy a thousand acres in Alabama. Now your cousin in New York that ain't never even seen your grandmama, ain't never seen the Mm -hmm. land, ain't never even visited nobody. Don't got no relation. Now he got to agree. How do we structure that, man? Hmm. Mississippi, Mississippi, it, it, this is a geographical fact, and it's so creepy when you really think about the layers mm-hmm. that goes into um, the wealth that's been built, that's been built over the over the years. Southern Mississippi is in the Delta, but it has some of the richest soil mm-hmm. in the nation. Mm-hmm. So the last ice age, when the glacier retreated, it left the Mississippi River. That's how the Mississippi River was there. It's a whole bunch of ice, you know, like a pothole mm-hmm. in the street. The ice thaws out, it leaves a crack, it leaves a hole. Yeah. When it left, it left all this silt and all this just beautiful soil there. Yeah. So that was when you look at the belt line of where most of the slaves stayed in Mississippi, it's at the most, it's in that crustacean belt. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. that they, it's in that belt that the most soil was in. And then if you look at where the most people vote Democrat, it's where the most slaves was kept it because they stayed there. Mm-hmm. So there are layers. And, and all you have to do is just sit down for a moment because you don't have to conspire for these things. All you have to do is just do a little bit of research. And you'll be like, oh, snap. Yeah. So the land, us growing food in these spaces is really like, like bro, black people are getting land back again. Yeah. Native, you have native people who, whose uh, regenerative practices, oh no 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 till no drill, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, cover cropping, interplanting, mm-hmm. all these proceed practices, but you don't once acknowledge the original authors oh, yeah. from which you got these practices from. You ain't say nothing about the Choctaw. I told you, if I'm a prison, I'm Bobby Rich. I I can say where I'm at just yeah. like I say who I was. It's a level of um, humbleness mm-hmm. that automatically happens when you do that. You know what I'm saying? And so that's just my my approach to agriculture is very like humble. You know what I'm saying? And, and to speak on like uh, the the land uh, that you're talking, the the division mm-hmm. of land and how like so. And this is a true story. I, so I have two experiences with that. Like one, and they're currently actively happening. So my wife. Her father, uh, they are inheritance of land, like thousand acres of land in Oklahoma City, uh, because his great his grandmother was I want to say her name was Ivy Watson, but she was one of the main people with the Tulsa Black yes, Wall Street stuff. So she left her family or wielded her family all of this land from it, right? And so it was like three kids, but then they have three kids. kids, and kids. You know, yeah, and, 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 right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so what has happened, 
the state of Oklahoma took part of the land to build an interstate through. And so right now they're in a court dispute with the, the state of Oklahoma on their compensation for that part, of, for for them doing that, right? So that well, they haven't paid yet because they haven't settled on it. But they did it anyway. Right. You know, they, it's yeah. like you couldn't they say. They did it first. They was like, no, I don't want the highway. They like, no, nah, we, you got, I mean, you know, like they did what, what I guess whatever the high level government, you know, stuff where they just take, take over, you know what I'm saying? And so, but one thing I've noticed that when this stuff happens is you have one party who's money hungry, you may be in the, so like they might go do some shikes, they try to sell a piece of the land and just get some money. And then you have somebody else who's not as as hands-on and then somebody who really cares about the land and what's happening. And it's just like, the system is so ingrained, like y'all were talking about programming that we can't even see as black people. It's like, bro, we got- We can't see how it's you, you, you just like, you mm-hmm. inherited like hundreds of like, like that's a lot. Sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, man. how can we not come together to figure out what we're going to do? You know what I'm saying? Or at least make educated decisions. And oh, it's more this, oh. it's more that program of that divisiveness of, you know, that we have to fight on so many levels. But with our, how we are trying to approach things, we hope that it not only affects the community, but like the thinking, the thought process, like deeper than, you know, like within people's like hearts and souls to like say, hey, let's, we we know that we have X amount of things. Because when you think about it, if people have all of this land in Mississippi, like, Mississippi why, should why, be the next Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, should be the why, next. how is the development not, not happening. happening? Or how is it that this land looks the same or maybe worse than when the person who gave it to you? You know, like, we have to kind of break, though, you know, to kind of, you, yeah, man, it's, I mean, you'll be all day. I feel like, man, this is a conversation that we can, this, well, let me, let me say it this way. This is probably one of the most important conversations that I've had on the equity tap thus far. Yeah, yeah. And it's been a huge education lesson for me, right? Because I've heard so many things on this, uh, this interview, uh, Unity, right? Around growing all of this cultural information, this ancestry, all of this stuff that you guys know has come because of this, you know, growing and getting back to our original roots. And then just seeing how you guys think about the economic side of it, right? Growing it and it not just being about y'all, but teaching everybody like, yo, we ain't the superstars. We the first ones in here, but we want people to come in and grow farms bigger than us because you guys recognize the the economical value. And not only that, but just the family value of it all. Man, so this has been a very dope conversation, though. <laughs> and I gotta get y'all back on, man, because I know y'all got expansion and stuff like that, man. And so I want to first say thank y'all for coming out. You know, what I'm saying taking time out of y'all schedule to do this. This has been a profitable conversation for sure. Uh, in closing, uh, if y'all would, man, let people know how you can they can keep up with you. Yeah, 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 man. So uh, with me, you can find me at um, on Instagram. I'm there mostly. Uh, it's J M I T C H, stay lit. Um, that's my Instagram handle. Um, I have a web development and training company um, called Lit Labs. 
um, in which I do um, web development as well as uh, technology um, courses and training for leveraging technology for the effective use, you know, for growing your organization. Um, so that come, so I started as Stay Living Media, but um, as I've evolved, um, it's, it's now changed to Lit Labs and my focus has changed to um, training and development because um, for one, um, I, the importance is like, it's very heavy. And my background and me seeing that it's also uh, something that's needed, particularly um, with people just um, just effectively using technology um, to enhance their businesses or like just to be able to just I mean use it like um, and what that looks like is um, I train like I'm a certified Microsoft educator. So like I train heavily uh, on Microsoft apps and effective use and all of the different um, w new things that comes out. Like I'm mm -hmm. like if it's something on Teams or another app, uh, other educational ed tech apps, um, as well as AI um, and leveraging AI because a lot of people are afraid of it right now. Think it's gonna take their job, but really and truly, <laughs> it's only alleviating some jobs, but it's creating others. Yeah. And if yeah. you know how to use that effectively, you can also you can increase your efficiency yeah. as right. a worker employee. I gotta get you back on. Oh, yeah, we gotta yeah. dive deep into that. For man. sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's not anything to really be afraid of. It's just like how do I leverage this to enhance my business and um, what I got going on. So yeah. that's, that's me. All right, um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Our account name is Black Seas Urban Farms with the S. Our website is BlackSeasUrbanFarm.com. No S on our website, um, but um, please follow all of our social media um, handles. We post um, any events, any initiatives, volunteer opportunities. We always post that on our social media pages. And our email is the quickest way to get uh, in touch with me if you're interested in uh, booking an event with us or learning more about um, Bobby's training classes that are coming up. But our email is blackseas2020, the number 2020, at gmail.com. So hit me up. Yeah, hit her up. Yes, and we yeah, are um, excited about oh. Bobby's training classes. They are called Earth Heart Stewardship. Earth Heart Oh, my God. So many people have been uh, awaiting I'm tired of the DMs. Classes. I'm tired so of the calls. When we drop this, y'all, please <laughs> sign up because we have limited spots, and we have people that have been reaching out trying to join. Yeah. So if you really want to get this education and know how to grow, Please sign up because we have limited it's, spots. It's gonna be like I remember uh, a, a couple months ago we had an event with Nine on One Poetry Night. Uh -huh. You know, we spoke on words. Perform Nine on One. Yes, with Jay Mitch and Francis. Jay Mitch, everybody. And so it's every Monday at High Tone. And so uh, we did this one for Juneteenth at the Garden. And so before they started to do the music, um, I did like a tour in the Garden. And um, we had so much fun. People picking blueberries and people picking just blackberries and just eating them. We walking around the garden, we talking. And it wasn't until it was over, I looked at a picture 
And it it was like a crescendo. It was like you can tell where nothing started and stopped. We were like it was in the middle a of a circle. Of people. It was so many different people, people just talking like and eating out open. And like it was like 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 the Marvin Gaye pictures where like they dancing. Yes. Everybody was like doing stuff. But look at that same picture. It was a lady on there. She had one of the cabbages we gave her to sit on her shoulder. <laughs> it was, was like, we were just giving some carrots, you know. And um, that's when it really because I always wanted to teach and stuff. And but the the platform that I wanted to do it, the way that I wanted to do it. It was it's unconventional, and I wanted to be a mixture between like practical, like how can you do this? Like I'm scared on the the sea depth, mm-hmm. you know, because people be scared. If people have anxiety, it provokes the over anything, mm-hmm. and so I want to relieve most of that anxiety from starting your own garden. But I also want to educate people on how we can get out of this mess that we in and how we got here. Yeah. And so a lot of that is like the indigenous wisdom mm-hmm. informing modern solutions with that ancient wisdom kind of thing. Yes. yes. It's like a cohort. Um, we are uh, promoting it uh, throughout the month of September. Hopefully, it's a brother. hybrid class. Yeah. So some it's going to be live. Person, some some going to be... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this won't be no all YouTube Zoom thing. No, no. We, we hands off. Like, right, right. <laughs> Which I think is cool because we can... We can use that as a lab Or like we say yeah. Like in science In the field We'll be in the field And so you can actually like Oh This is what the three sisters Interplanting is Okay It's a squash It's a corn It's a bean We can do that together And how do those How does that synergy help Our other plants mm-hmm. So it won't just be words in it Because you know That could become very like you know, Bobby does not want to admit That he is an educator But he is very good At instructing <laughs> yeah. And so Bobby has the knowledge He possesses the knowledge From basic gardening All the way up to ethnobotany right. So any uh, basic simple questions That one may have All the way up to your more Advanced complicated questions They can all be asked in this cohort So I, I like to say I like to say Limited Nikki. spot Because we <laughs> <laughs> I'll say something Please, else. Please, I'm going to say but that again. It's, um, yeah, yeah, this is something that we, we've we been wanting to do for a long, all three of us, we've been wanting to do this for a long time. We've been really excited about it because you can be as scientific with the stuff as you want to be or you can be as hippie with the stuff as you want to be. But as long as you have some type of like foundational understanding about limited factors, fertilizing, what to do, sunlight, these, these type of things. I don't think nobody else is getting that nowhere else with like uh, in a place where you can also build gratitude for where you are. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like that's the big And this has been good. Um, in closing, if you guys could, any closing advice that you guys will have for our audience, man, we would greatly appreciate it. Listen, man, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. This has been a very profitable conversation. I'm going to put all their contact information below in the description. I need for you guys to tap into it. Make sure you go follow them on social media. Also, the class is limited. Make sure you guys sign up for the class. If you guys are finding value out of the content, do me a favor, hit subscribe and also turn on the notifications so that as we roll out more dope interviews like this, you guys will be the first one uh, to be able to tap into it. So, man, I'll let you guys close it out. Any uh, advice that you guys have for the audience, man, the floor is yours. Uh, my advice is uh, be the change that you believe in. You know, we have a... Uh, so many communities that need us young, black, excellent people to step up to the plate. Um, we all have talents. We all have skills. I don't care if you are making candles, if you have a landscape business, if you are into healthcare, because we have many underserved healthcare communities as well. Step up, you know, be what you believe in and, you know, be that change and just don't sit back. 
step up to the plate and be a part of the change that we need to see in local Memphis. Oh, man, I can't think of a better way to close it out, man. Listen, until next time, y'all stay tapped in. All right, hit us up, Black Seeds. <laughs> <laughs>